for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. All right. I am blue. You are bright and shiny in my mind. You got me loving, hating, crazy indecision in my mind. Welcome to the Fall Podcast, where the focus is on deer hunting, tips, tricks, tactics, and stories from across the Midwest. And now, here is your host, Aaron Blisey. All right, everybody. We are back for another installment of the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and I've got kind of a big announcement to make. Uh, you know, I've been talking to Justin Fabian. He's been on the podcast a couple times, and, and even since... He came on in episode two. We we've been kind of trying to scheme where he could. You know, he's been wanting to do some podcasting, and I've been wanting to get a co-host. And and uh, we we've we finally made some time. And I guess from here on out, we're gonna. I got a co-host, and uh, it's Justin Fabian, and he's on the other other side of this over in Iowa. So Justin, how you doing, man? Hey, pretty good, pretty good. How about you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing good. I got a couple. Uh, well, bud lattes in uh, in front of me tonight, and um, it's uh, it's I'm finally home. I've been I've been gone for the last you know two and a half weeks, and I haven't been able to get a podcast out, which has been killing me because I've been living in a tent, and we've just been going nonstop, man. And uh, I just I tried and tried with a couple guests, and I just you know we hunt all day and try to get it done, and try you know we're just trying to produce a television show and it's it's just non-stop and when you get back at night in the tent you know you just kind of want to crawl in your sleeping bag and go to bed because it was so cold and so I apologize to everybody for that but uh we are back and we're gonna have podcasts coming out every week here hopefully and and yeah I just want to get on today and tell everybody the big news that uh you're gonna join the fall team and what do you think about that (laughs) Hey, I'm excited, man. Um, like you said, I mean, I totally understand. I'm, I've been in the same boat as you. Uh, <clears throat> this is about the first chance I've had to sit down and at least just take plan to take an hour to do something besides hunt, film, or edit. So, um, right, I know exactly where you've been, and it's kind of nice to just sit down and shoot the shit with a buddy, you know, and talk about you know what we got coming up for the rest of the season and the off season yeah. and for the foreseeable future, I guess. Yeah, for so. sure. And, you know, for you and I have been talking quite a bit, you know, and I had like a, you know, 12 and a half hour drive back from Kansas the other day and you and I talked quite a bit on the phone and, and, you know, we were, we wanted to, to kind of up the volume of the podcast. We wanted to try to get two out a week. Now <laughs> I struggle to get one out 
a week, you know, the last couple of weeks, but it's just been so busy, you know, and, um, but going forward, we want to kind of get two out and we want to come up with kind of like a, like a sub series, if you will. And, uh, basically the best way to describe it is it's going to be still under the fall podcast, but it's going to be called the coffee call. And, uh, we'll release the fall podcast. I guess you call it main show or main episode. We're thinking somewhere earlier in the week, like on a Monday, um, and then on like a Friday, we'll do a shortened version of a listener submitted question. We we threw out a we threw out the uh, you know a question on on our social media channels, and we just asked people to you know submit a question of anything really. I mean, um, as far as like how high do you put your tree stands, or you know um, you know what kind of sense do you use? Like anything, anything in you know the whitetail hunting realm related or even producing you know because you and i both yeah, are sure. television television producers and editors any questions they have on that technical ideas or you know just how to produce a show or sell film like we want to dive into everything and that's going to be more of like a 20 to 30 minute podcast but we figured it'd be like you know it's and it's not the bible it's just our opinion on everything and a lot of people have submitted questions into us so i'm pretty excited about getting into that i don't know really when we're going to roll it out it's going to be here in the next week or two but uh what's your thoughts on that i know you and i've kind of talked behind scenes a little bit but not really in great length yeah um i'm really excited you know for not only being on you know the the main episode if you're going to call it that but i really like the idea of opening this up to you know the listeners you know and just kind of giving the people the information that they ask for. I mean, there's never any dumb question, only dumb answers, right? So the answers are on us. So <laughs> as long as we don't sound too dumb about it, I mean, right? you know, we're not going to fill anybody full of BS, you know, like you said, we'll give you our opinions based on our experience and, you know, in both production and hunting. And I mean, just another resource for people to take advantage of and, you know, try to up their game with a little outside information, maybe you're going to hunt out of state someplace, you know, maybe we've been there, um, you know, maybe we haven't, but, um, yep. you know, between the two of us, by this time in any given deer season, there's usually been enough seat time to, you know, have a little bit of ground to stand on to talk about what's going on in the Midwest or, you know, Kansas, Ohio, Illinois, Oklahoma. Yep wherever the case may be, you know, so it's, I think it's going to be a great addition to the podcast and, uh, <clears throat> I'm really looking forward to diving into some production topics as they come up, you know, like I think there's so many people that are kind of starting to like dabble into self-filming, maybe not for the effect of, you know, producing an entire show, but just to be like, Hey, I'm hunting the family farm and I'm going to take my GoPro or I bought this, you know, this, this XF 400, this NX 80, like help me set it up, you know, just basics. Right. Yep. So, you know, that's, yeah, uh, I, I think it's going to be awesome. I think we're going to get a lot of questions that, um, hopefully we can provide a lot of answers to. Yeah, definitely. And that, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest questions I get a lot is how do you self film a hunt? And I've done quite a bit of self filming and I know you have as well. And we'll get to that later in the podcast. Cause you, 
you killed a, a great deer in Iowa this year, self-filming yourself on the ground on public land. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but that is one of the number one questions I get a lot is self-filming and how to produce a hunt and what to use, like what kind of equipment. And I had, you know, when I go out hunting, you know, I, I, I guess I should back up. When I go out and film, like if I'm filming Casey or something and I'm not hunting, I pack my pack way different than when I pack my pack to go self-film. And what I mean by that, obviously, I'm not going to be taking a grunt tube or anything when I go film Casey. But what I mean by that is, like, you know, when I'm going into self-film, I want to be light, as light as I can be. Because you're going to have a tree arm, you're going to have a camera, you're going to have a base, you're going to have shotgun mics, you're going to have wireless mics, you know, a lot of the times, like... And yep. you want to be as light as you can because you don't want to be walking to the stand and be sweating and just hating life because it feels like work. You know what I mean? And so I've got a kind of strategic way to pack my pack and and we can dive into that too, you know, because once we get some questions coming into about like what pack to use and, you know, I mean anything, the sky's the limit. You could literally, somebody could ask us, what broadheads do we use it's it's anything how to take up a blood trail when to take up a blood trail and you know it's you know it's it's endless so and i've we've already got a lot of questions coming in so we just got to start picking them and and kind of producing these things and getting them out but like you said i'm i'm super pumped about it and uh you know i appreciate all the the support from everybody i say it a lot but i mean it's been overwhelming uh, you know the support of people and the downloads we're getting and it's it's just really cool yeah you've i mean literally started from nothing as far as the podcast goes i mean it seems like everybody has one these days and it's just like it it's just such a it's just one of those factors in this digital movement not only in television production but just this whole digital era it's like they say you, you can't just do one thing and expect to see success. Like you have to do all of it. You got to be right. Podcast, YouTube, Amazon, like get it on every platform you can and just get it to the masses. So I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm anxious to to dive into the coffee calls, especially. I'm really really looking forward to those. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I think you know to kind of get into what you know, more what I wanted to talk about today is, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since I had a podcast out and, and, uh, I, I've got some updates like, like you do. Cause I want to ask you some stuff about, you know, your hunting and I know you've been successful yep. and you've been out in public land and doing everything. Um, but actually let's start with you. What, what do we got? Okay. Like, you know, how's your season been going? Um, I know you laid down a great deer and, uh, let's, let's dive into that. Like, you know, where, <laughs> What happened? I, I saw the footage that this show just came out on uh, Midwest Whitetail Monday. So if yeah, anybody wants to see it, you know, it's on YouTube, on Midwest Whitetail's YouTube channel. But let's dive in from, from your point of view. Give us the give us the rundown. Yeah. Um, uh, <clears throat> I think one of the biggest things to start off with saying is that, uh, you know, the, the past two times I was a guest on the fall podcast, you know, we talked about my Saskatchewan hunt and then, I don't know, a month ago, I guess now, before we got rolling into into work season, uh, I talked about, um, <clears throat> it was it was like a few days after you shot Jim Abbott, we talked, and uh, we ended up on the topic of public land hunting and 
Um, you know, that had been my plan all year coming here. And uh, I decided early on that one of the biggest factors I was going to try to put in my favor was the element of surprise. Um, yep. I was studying like crazy, trying to, you know, figure out where these access points were. I would drive around, you know, two, three times a week, look how many cars were out, how many trucks were out, you know, and just scout for people first. And then from there, try to look at, you know, the maps and figure out, okay, well, of the people that do go there, what are they walking past? Like, what are the, mm -hmm. what are, what's right under their nose that they're not even considering? Like, everyone's going to focus on on the food, on bedding, like, you know, just the, the classic stuff that, you know, isn't wrong to do. I just wanted right. to look at this, the little, you know, the little holes that nobody was really paying any attention to. Um, so that was, that was one thing I decided early on. The second was, um, I decided I wasn't going to hunt any particular stand, quote unquote, uh, you know, more than twice in a row, no matter what. Um, you know, I know, I know you guys do a lot of hang and bangs. Um, I think you guys killed Megatron on a hang and bang, didn't you? When yeah, Casey killed yep. Megatron. and strong arm, and strong yep. arm. Yep. yep. And uh, so I, there's just so much I think that just tip the scales in your favor if you can if you can get in there and do a hang and bang or just stay on the ground or you know that that first hunt like I don't care if you have a brand new farm you just bought it and you're gonna have it for the rest of your life you know you hang stands in the summer or early fall you know the anticipation of that first hunt is the same every single time so just imagine Definitely. going to a different set all season every time you go in it's like so on my hunt when i killed i went in on november 7th i was self-filming packed in a tree stand sticks tree arm two cameras my bow, like like you just said, like all your hunting stuff, all your filming stuff. By the time you go in there blind, pick a tree, get your get all your stuff set up, shoot an opening interview, and get your establishing shots and all that stuff. It's like I don't even feel like I'm hunting. Like <laughs> this is work, <laughs> right? But I mean, that's just what you take on. And I remember like talking to you over the years, like the first time you self filmed a hunt successfully, and then I remember you telling me. You know, word for word, like, you'll never not film yourself again. Like, after you did it once, it's just, like, it's so rewarding and there's so much more to it. Like, it it just makes the extra work worth it. But, uh... Yep. So, anyway, I went out on the 7th. I, I hung in this little tiny tree. It was this little, this little brush lot, little finger that ran east to west. I had a huge cornfield to the north still standing and a giant CRP field to the south of me. And I just picked a trail that was beat down to mud. And I was like, oh, there's a tree right here. There's a, you know, there's a small oak tree out in front of me at 25 yards, scrapes all around it. Can't hurt. This is where I'm gonna start. Yep. And I was there for 15 minutes. What in a buck. made you? What made you grab or you know go to that tree? I guess. Um, honestly, it was just the the connection between 
it was the only way between the corn that was on private to the north and all that CRP to the south. Um, yep. It was, it was a very narrow strip. Um, it was very, very thick. Um, so like I said, it, this, this strip ran uh, east to west, and it was just, like, so thick and nasty, like, just, like, really woody, um, just brush and bushes, you know, barberry, multiflora rose, you know, to the east, I guess it would have been. And then as it went further to the west, like back towards what would have been the parking area, it just kind of necked down like to a really small point, and it just it just kind of petered out on a fence line, which was the boundary between the public and the private. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a funnel, but not really. Like I was hunting the trails coming across it instead of pinching myself down like you normally would just because that pinch right. rate didn't go anywhere. So... I was like, there's food over there, there's big timber in this bottom, giant CRP, like, I'll just sit here, call it an observation, and see what happens. So that was the seventh, and I ended up rattling in, like, a two-year-old out of the CRP field, and then there was does running everywhere, east to west, right in this draw, like, right along that fence line I was in, and uh, just running hard and grunting everywhere there's scrapes like all up and down this fence and i was like man this is a this is happening in here so uh that was only an afternoon hunt on the seventh so -hmm. then on the eighth um i took one of our interns in there for an all-day sit um and that was a thursday and his his regional show was due on a thursday so um we got his stuff, his show all wrapped up the night before. Uh, got that up on YouTube. And uh, we're driving out. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning. It's an hour drive down to this place from my house. And uh, the boss texts us, and he's like, hey, uh, there's audio issues in, <laughs> in, this, in this regional show. And I, I'm just like, like, I got mad, like, fuming right there, like, I've been on the road for 40 minutes. I'm 20 minutes away from an all-day sit on November 8th. I'm like, I was like, sorry, dude. You're, we're, figure it out. Like, what, what was the audio issues? Was it not mixed right or? Something happened on the export. Like, I, I watched it twice in Premiere before he exported it. You know, like, I mean, I always watch his show. It's my responsibility, part of my job. So, um, I... I mean, you know how it goes. Sometimes that just oh, yeah. happens. Like something doesn't render right or whatever. But there was a piece of audio from the intro that said "Cuddy back cameras," and it ended up at like twelve minutes and fourteen seconds over somebody's <laughs> interview. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "All right, well, oh. well, Cuddy back would like it. They, that's just another <laughs> plug for them." <laughs> yeah, it was just funny. I was like, I mean, I, I mean, I, I was pretty pissed, but I was like, man, this is. We both watched it. It is what it is, but said, I'm sorry, I'm not turning around and I'm not losing the first two hours of the day. We're only 20 right. minutes away. I said, just come help me get the stuff set up. Like, Kira, you're standing. Like, I'll, I'll set the stands up. You jump in the tree, set up a tree arm, put your camera on everything, and then you get out of there before it gets daylight. Go fix the show and then just come back at like 10, 11 o'clock. Like, text me and, you know, I'll... I'll get down for a minute just to right create a little cover noise or something, you know, whatever. Just come back when you're done. So that's what we did. Yep. 
So I self-filmed again the morning of the 8th. He was back out there by like 11. And uh, same same kind of action. Like we, we sat the same tree again. And like I said, I wasn't going to hunt the same place more than twice. So that was my second day in the same tree. And we saw the exact same kind of movement I saw the afternoon before when I was by myself on the 7th. And mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> we saw two studs in there that were just cruising that the private side to the north, like right on the fence line. Right. It's just like one of those, just a classic rut scenario where it's like you hear, you hear does running, you catch a couple grunts, you see a flash of a tail, you catch an antler here or a tine there, you know? Yep. And it was like, it's like, man, we got to get, we got to stay in here. Like, I want to know what's down in this draw, like further into the timber. Well, so now go to the next day, the Friday, the 9th, um, my in-laws are here from Texas. This is the week before whatever. Yeah, they, they came up for a week before Thanksgiving. And mm-hmm. uh, so I did, we did breakfast on Friday morning. And like, you know, I didn't hunt Friday morning, the 9th. Um, so we did the thing and, you know, put the FaceTime in with the family. And I packed the truck and I said, I, I'm going back. Like, I'll be, I'll be home tonight. And went back in to self-film again. And I think a big part of what, what uh, I don't know, what helped me get this deer was the fact that I knew I needed to move, but I didn't know what I was moving into. So I said, I'm right. just gonna, I'm just gonna stay light, like you said earlier, like light as possible. Um, I'll just still hunt my way through this, through this draw, like where all these bucks are running. I'll stay on the public side of the fence, obviously, and I'll just get closer into this corn down into this into this bottom where I've been seeing all this chasing and you know I'll rattle sit there for 45 minutes I'll pick up move do it again and just work further into the timber as it gets closer to dark Mm -hmm. and uh was there any what did you see any other hunters in this public I mean is it not very populated or or what's the deal with the pressure on it um this particular one was only just put in you know, as a, the, the state of Iowa bought it as a piece of public, uh, so it was only accessible as public land for the first time last year. And there's oh, there's wow. not even any, there's no parking, there's no access established. Like, you have to go down this, it's like a logging road. Like, it looks like a logging road. It's just a dirt two-track road. It's like a right-of-way right. is all it looks like. And... Uh, on the map, it just comes to a dead end, and there's a sign at the end. Like, there's no indication that this is how you get to this place. So um, I was like, that's got to be a, a honey hole. And, right. Um, I did not see any other hunters. Uh, I take that back. I saw one guy uh, the afternoon of my first day in there. Like, when I was coming out, I saw him at his truck, but that's it. Wow. Um, so you got yourself a little uh... – little honey hole like you said and yeah not a lot of people know about it well not yet (laughs) (laughs) hopefully 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 not next year either because i'll have my iowa tag next year (laughs) i know we've been talking about it like if you decide you want to you want to stay here and and hunt some public then that's definitely the place i want to i want to get you to yeah for sure um so 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 you were you were you were looking to still still hunt your way into this piece then. Yeah. So I said I didn't know exactly what I was getting what it was going to look like down in this 
in this draw where I wanted to be. So I just, I went in light. Like I just put a DSLR on a tripod with a shotgun mic and a GoPro, two GoPros, one on which, my bow. Which is difficult because what did you have? Uh, did you have a, a 70D? Is that what you're using? Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, that's, what lens were you running on it? Uh, that G series twenty four to one hundred five. So you had automatic you had automatic focus capabilities then, right? Yes, but being on the ground, like amongst all the brush, right. I'm not yeah. going to run <laughs> autofocus and end up seeing a piece of goldenrod instead of a deer, you know. So, which was even harder, like you're saying, like. So that's what I mean. That's like you're going for the gusto here. Like this is this is tough sledding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your back is against the wall right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like from a tree stand. I've done that before where you run autofocus because, you know, like when you have a moving subject, the autofocus picks up that movement and that's what it looks for. But on yep. the ground, like you have so much stuff between you and the subject, never trust the autofocus. Yes, exactly. So, um, I mean, I had I had it at like, I don't know, I, I had the bottom section of the legs out on the tripod with a 502 head, you know, and a DSLR with a battery grip. So, like, it was high, but not, like, out of reach, obviously. So I was just right. kind of crouched down under this under this little tree in a brush pile, just kind of sitting on my knees, you know, sitting back on my on my heels. And um, I got set up. Like, while I was getting set up, a deer walks in on me. Like, it must have heard me rustling around and just came to investigate. But a deer walked, like, within 15 feet of me and that was a buck too right yeah it was really cool like he was like a he was a two-year-old but you know i thought it was about to turn into one of those (laughs) those funny facebook videos where somebody (laughs) puts dope piss all over themselves and this this horny young buck comes up and attacks you but um i just i just hit record and try to stay still <laughs> yep i'm but surprised because yeah. I, I watched this hunt the other day and i was that deer was close to you and you didn't have hardly any cover at the time because like you said you were just setting up and that deer yeah. i mean he knew something was up but just kept walking right by that was unbelievable yeah it, it was i mean i was i turned the camera around and i was like i said that's that's incredible like that's the closest encounter i've ever had with a with a whitetail and mm-hmm. I mean, to have it happen on the ground, like, it's one thing to have him walk onto your stand and say, man, they were right underneath us. But, like, on the ground, face-to-face, you know, like, at 15 feet, it was pretty cool. Right. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so I get, I'm, I'm, I get all set up. That deer ends up getting downwind to me on the trail a little bit, and he blows and just kind of runs off. Like, nothing major, but um, he runs off and uh, – I use my GoPro. I've got one of those like little gorilla tripod deals for it, you know, like that yep. just form fits around a tree limb or whatever you want to put it on. Yep. And uh, so I got my DSLR. So I'm right-handed. So I got the DSLR, you know, on the tripod off my left hand, and I've got the GoPro on a broken tree limb over my left shoulder, like getting a second angle, like over the shoulder. Mm-hmm. So. It's easy to turn on. It's right here, you know, eye level. And uh, I was I was pretty confident. Like, I felt good about the setup. And so whatever comes in, I know I can get two angles on it. And I had a third angle on my bow, you know, for when I drew or 
you know, if I wanted to run it out in front of the bow, whatever. But right, um, I ended up running that one facing back at me. Like I just I clamp it right onto the riser with that sportsman mount. I point it back at me, and it ends up being just like two inches above the sight housing, and it's it's a really cool angle. Like it looks straight back down yep. your down your arrow. You can see your pins and everything, and I like to use it too. Like <clears throat> like when you're holding your bow watching a deer, you know you kind of find yourself your body follows your eyes like as you're watching the animal. So like I, right, I hit yep. record on it and I use it as a second angle to get, you know, my movements and my reactions to what's about to happen or what's going on before the shot. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, it was nice. But, uh, I mean, to make a longer story, a little bit shorter, uh, I hit the horns together. It was like four o'clock and I'd rattled twice before that rattled up one small buck, but, um, I, I rattled and I didn't even know it until I watched the footage, but that deer was actually only like a hundred yards away. He was in frame. Yeah. Like I, hit, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> I, I was just, I had so much stuff between me and the deer, like just that extra six or eight inches of elevation on the tripod, like the camera could see it and I, I didn't. So it just happened to be in frame. Like it's, it's barely there, but you can see him walk across the standing corn on the private side. I start rattling, he stops and just, he looks straight in my direction. And he's like, you can see he's thinking about it. And then he just dumps off into the ditch. And then he pops right right out at like 25 yards. He takes about six steps. And, you know, we're, there's been a lot of comments on the episode so far, I will say that, because of the shot that I took. He was, he was quartering to me on the ground at 18 yards. And I... I shot him quarter into me head on, but yeah. But how far did the deer run? Yeah, uh, forty yards. He died quicker exactly. than anything I've seen from any kind of heart or double lung shot. Like he went down on camera in seconds, like literal seconds. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's why we decided to use it for the show. Like, there's nothing I can say about the shot that doesn't sound like an excuse. Like at this point, there's been so much negativity around it that, you know, it's just anything I say is going to sound like an excuse or I'm defending myself, but, right. um, you know, and I will defend myself if anybody wants to have a intelligent conversation about it, but I'm not going to entertain, you know, hypocrites and people that can say they wouldn't do that, you know, but right. Yep. Um, you know, it's, I worked my butt off for that, and I I went in there thinking that I'm only going to go see what this draw looks like, and I'm going to come back with a stand tomorrow, you know, and I happened to kill. Like, self-filming on the ground with two angles after being in the same spot for a day and a half already, you know, with three hunts worth of pre-roll and backstory on this location and what I'm doing, what's been going on, like, I'm not passing up that opportunity. Well, and you, you didn't take the shot, you know, not being confident either. You were confident in yourself of oh, taking sure. that shot. And, and you weren't just taking it just to throw an arrow out there because of the situation. Yeah, I guarantee like I you, because I know you really well. Yeah, I mean, I guarantee you, I know you really well. Like, you know, you are not the type of person that's just going to take that shot just because. Like, you, you're going to take it because you're a confident archer and a confident bow hunter and you knew that 
that was a lethal angle that you could, you know what I mean? Like, you get what yeah, I'm saying. I'm not trying to justify it, but what I'm saying is, you know, you weren't just throwing arrows out there just because. Right. And, you know, it's it comes down to, like you said, confidence, number one, in equipment. You know, and it's, I was shooting fixed blade broadheads on a full metal jacket, and that deer was at 18 yards. You know, and it, you're throwing a Mack truck at it, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I will say this: there was no exit hole. The arrow came out the exact place it went in. Didn't break uh-huh. off. That entire arrow shaft, like my draw length is 28 and a half inches. That entire yep. arrow was inside of him. Yep. So I mean, you can't. I don't want to say it's impossible to not hit a vital organ from that angle. I mean, anything's possible, but. It's not as much of a high-risk shot as people tend to think, in my opinion. I mean, you, right. you, take, you would take that shot all day long with a gun, with a shotgun or a rifle, you know. Yep. In my where opinion, did you end up? Where was the entry hole at? Uh, it was just inside his uh, right shoulder. Like, it was in that brisket area, but, like, just inside. So like, oh, you're right in the goodies, though. I mean, yeah, that's like, there's so... I mean, you've you've quartered out enough animals. Like, in in any any cervid, there's no uh, there's no joint in the front shoulders. It's all cartilage. Like, there's a shoulder blade, but there's nothing that connects it like a hip. You know, um, right? It just kind of got right in that crease right there and just went all the way through. And I I really think that what killed him as quickly as it did is the fact that whole arrow was in there. I think it got all the way back to his femoral artery, and he bled out from that. Really? Quick, quicker than the lung shot would have killed him. Yeah. Yep. But uh, like I said, it's I'm not trying to justify it or continue the conversation on ethics in regards to this shot. But, I mean, it's something that people are presented with, and, I mean, it's up to you. Like, that's – that's your responsibility as a hunter, like to know your limitations and to know your equipment and what you're capable of with that equipment. It's, you know, if that deer was, of course, I wish the deer was broadside or quartering away from me. I mean, that's what you ask for every time. But like I said, I'm not, he wasn't at 65 yards and I was just sending one to put blood on the ground. Like, right. Yep. He was going to have a bad day. I knew it. Yeah. So well, that's sweet, and I, I, and he's he was an old warhorse too. I mean, how how oh, old do man. you think he was? I think you told me he was like six or seven. You thought? I, I think he's going to come back at six and a half. Um, I ordered the the kit to have his have his teeth aged at a lab, and uh, mm-hmm. it's called uh, something cementum. They just they take a cross section of the root of the lower incisor because deer don't have mm-hmm. upper incisors, so like they they pull the whole t- tooth out the front tooth um, on the bottom jaw, and then they take four cross sections of it, and there's it's just like a tree where there's like, you know, a tree has summer growth and winter growth, and that's how you see those those wide rings versus a really narrow dark ring. Yeah. Um, those same rings are in a in a deer's, the roots of its incisors. Cause they, so do you I, send the whole bottom jaw in then? You can, um, or you can just pull the teeth yourself and send in the two teeth, but um, <clears throat> I don't have much experience doing that. I did it on moose in Vermont when I was in college, but that was on 
you know, fresh kills. Um, right. You just cut through the gum line and uh, kind of just, you know, you cut down each side of the tooth and then pry it out. But um, I've yeah. got mine, I've got mine caped and cleaned off and ready for a Euro mount. So I, I didn't want to chance it. Nice. That's a yeah. that's a good deal, man. You, I mean, you worked your tail off this year. You you could have killed a very nice three year old that a lot of people, you know, their first time on public land with the footage that you had of that deer coming through the river and everything, yeah. would have definitely in, in, indulged, you know. And you held off and you knew what you wanted to do and and it paid off for you. I'm, I'm super pumped for you for you, man. Yeah, thank you. It was definitely. Uh, um, uh, just an incredible first season for being a new resident to Iowa, you know, and I say it in that, in the hunt, you know, and it's in the episode, but like it just, it represents so much to be able to come and, you know, live the dream that Iowa has to offer to a deer hunter, you know, and luckily my wife was in support of it and she landed a great job at Iowa State and, you know, we just couldn't ask for a better result after being here right. for only eight months now. So, um, yep. it was just really fun to get in there and play the public land game. You know, I, I don't have any other options. So, and to be honest, right. I, I really, I really enjoyed it to the point where I want to continue to hunt public land here. Like I'm not going to turn down an invitation to hunt a private, you know, managed farm, but like we've you and I have talked about, like it's just there's there's a different degree of of the hunt, you know, like to go in there mm -hmm. with no history and just to learn the land and the deer that are on it and figure out how to get them. Yeah, amongst that's really cool. Uh, amongst five hundred other people. <laughs> yeah, and that's the big thing now, you know. Like we've got a lot of trends going on right now, you know, like the the saddle hunting thing and then the public land thing and. Yep. you know hunting on the ground and and all that stuff and and it's i think it's great for hunting honestly i mean yeah there are trends and a lot of people are like well yeah whatever but i think that's that's really cool because you know i've entertained the thought of hunting public land never done it in my life but the thing is is i don't get a lot of time to invest in it and i invest so much time into my private farms that I want to justify those sits. You know what I mean? Like I do so much work in the off season on my farms. And I feel like if I go do a public land hunt right now with the limited time, I mean, I've only got to hunt eight times this year, you know, and we'll get into this a little bit, but I've, I've had some really good sits for only hunting that much. And I think it actually benefits me because I'm not on the farm all the time, you know, so yeah. the pressure's low, but I will do it one day. And it might be next year in Iowa. I mean, I've got some private ground that I've already, you know, know I can go to with Chad Johnston at uh, Midwest Antler Company. Um, you know, he's got some great private ground. I'm really good friends with Chad and, and Chris and Casey are really, really good friends with him. And, and he threw me an invite out there and it was like, you're more than welcome. Whenever you want to come, just come and, and hunt. And that's really cool and but the thing is too the like the public thing you know you've got it dialed you've got it you've got a spot where you've had some success and you've saw some big deer and and, and it's still like in the back of my mind I really want to take the challenge 
and 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 do that you know what i mean uh yeah I, I, I should say it's not a guarantee, but I've got three Iowa points now going to four for next year, and, I, and just about 100% of people on non-residents draw with that. So I guess if I do draw, I will be having to make a decision <laughs> whether I'm going to do yeah. public That's or private. That's a tough decision. So. That is a tough decision for sure. Um, you know, it'll, it, you'll get it again, but what do you want your first one right. to be? You know, it's like, do you right. want that – it's never a sure thing, but right, you know. Yep. Well, private's not a for sure thing either. Yeah, that, that's what you know, I mean. like. I th- yeah, and it's it's. Just, I think it's like I kind of I think what you were getting at. It's it's all about what experience do you want right now? Yeah. You know, for your for your for your first Iowa, your deal. You know what I mean? And it's like I'm trying to battle with myself right now. It's like, like I said, it's not guaranteed, but. You know, in everybody's mind, and a lot of a lot of hunters' minds anyway, like even mine a little bit. I'm I'm trying to fight with myself. It's like, you know, private is a little more guaranteed than public in my mind because I've never yeah. done public though. That's the re- that's the thing. You know, you see all these guys, like especially like you. You go out there, you put the time in, you put the work in, and uh, and you you know you get a chance at a great buck and and you capitalize and it's you see a lot of guys doing it, but they're also putting a lot of time in. So not that I don't want to put the time in. I really, I love putting the time in, but the thing is, it is it's, you know, 12 hours away as well. And how, how much yeah. time can I really get down there with a busy editing schedule and, and, you know, in the, in the off season and, and doing the farm management stuff for Chris and Casey. So it's like, I'm not looking for a gimme or a handout, you know, or something like that, but I want to be able to earn it too. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Well, if you whatever you decide, like I said before, you've got a place to stay, and I can, we can we can go. I can I can point you in the right direction on that on that piece. But uh, one thing you, I know you've said to me, you know, in previous conversations. But uh, come down in like August, like August fifth yeah. through the tenth, or some some place in that second week of August, and uh, a lot of this public ground has ag on it. So okay. It's not, it's it's very realistic to do some gas and glass type of stuff and uh yep locate you know some potential targets even on public land right so and there's just there's so much of it man like this one that that's it's about an hour from my house here in Des Moines but I mean we can go further south into like Decatur County we can go down towards like Albia um, there's a giant reservoir we can get on, and the Army Corps of Engineers, excuse me, the Army Corps of Engineers owns, you know, a certain distance around the perimeter of the lake that you're allowed to hunt on. So I mean, there's a lot of yep. options. There's a lot of yeah. options. Well, let's let's just hope I pull a tag and yeah, start there. You know, and then <laughs> then uh, let's start at square one first. But yep, I'm excited for it. But so yep. speaking of hunts. Uh, I haven't talked to you much. Well, we've talked a little bit, but more about setting up this podcast. But uh, whatever came of Jim Abbott, I know you were sad to leave to go to Kansas after shooting him. And I know you put some cameras out. What happened? You know, a lot has happened. So a lot has happened since the last podcast I put out. I put the last podcast out on the 14th of November, the day before opening day of rifle season here. Yep. So 
you know, we came home and I'm going to back up just a touch. And I think I mentioned this a little bit on the last podcast. I, I, uh, it was the, it was, I can't remember the day now. It was right before opening day of rifle season. We, Casey and I came home on the ninth, I believe it was. And I knew I wanted to get out and hunt and I knew the rut was just kicking here. And um, like I've said before, you know, the farm, the main farm, it's divided up. It's a, it's an 80 on one side of the road, and there's a half-mile dirt road that divides it to a 40. And on the 40 side, there's a three-acre patch of timber with ag, and then it's got some, some uh, patches of timber on the neighbors. Yep. Well, my plan was to go on the 80 that night, and I was going to take the decoy, um, I got a Scarface decoy from Primos, and uh, the only other time I've ever used it was I self-filmed a buck that I killed in 2012 and uh, killed a good three-year-old here in Michigan over it, bristled up to him, came right into him, killed him right on camera. Everything was great. But anyway, so I'm like, well, I haven't been able to hunt the rut in Michigan anyway. I've hunted it you know, out of state. This is the first rut in Michigan that I've got to hunt in, in you know, six years or so. So I'm like, I'm going to get the decoy out because I've got a lot of field around me. I'm going to see what I can do here. So I'm head, like I'm, I'm getting ready to head out, and uh, <laughs> we were talking about packing the packs and everything, and I was, was going to self-film this because all the, all the field producers were out. Lee and Adam were in Missouri hunting. Kyle was with Cody down in Ohio. So... I was stuck here by myself, so I'm like, well, you know, I want to try to get another episode for Rival Wild. I'm going to take the camera in, and I had a PMW PMW 300, which you know is a giant camera, and shotgun mic, lav mic, you know, batteries, cards, my pack with all my stuff in it, my bow, and then I'm going to try to lug my darn decoy out there. So it's like I'm literally the Michelin man walking through a bean field. To oh, try dude, to I, get to my stand. <laughs> I, I forgot to tell you. Um, it turns out a buddy of mine that lives like 15 minutes from where I was hunting down there. Um, yep. He, w- he was running cameras on this same piece of ground that I was on. And he, he put one like right on the entrance on the fence line just to monitor who was coming in and, in and out. And he's got pictures yep. of me going in all three hunts. And like that first day I went by myself with a tree <laughs> stand and all my stuff. I look like a freaking pack mule, man. Like, I'm like, I'm hunched forward, like trying to counterbalance all the weight and I'm holding my bow and I'm like, you can just see I'm having a bad time already. And I'm a hundred yards from the truck. <laughs> That's hilarious. It was, it That's how funny. I felt. <laughs> I even, I even dressed down too. Like I'm in yeah. basically base layers and I've got to walk probably, I'm going to say 500 yards. I get to the base of my tree and I'm just dogging it. Like I am seriously rethinking i'm i'm pissed off i'm like what am i doing like why do i put myself in these situations like why can't i just go hunt and like we had talked it's like it's now become work you know what i mean if i just would have came out here and just hunted it'd been fine anyway set my decoy up and i'm on the inside corner of this bean field usually typically i set my decoy facing one of my shoulders in the tree so either he's facing my right shoulder or he's off to my right facing my left because every time I've used a decoy or I've been with casing, we've used a decoy quite a bit, um, the the bucks will always come in, in my experience, they've always come in face head on. 
they're right. going to the, circle and they're going to they're going to go head on. Yep, and the opposite but, is so, true with the, with a the doe. Like if you you can decoy into the rut, like a lot of people won't. They'll do it up until the rut starts to yeah. try to trigger that fight instinct. But take yep. the antlers off, take it in as a doe, and face it away from you. They're going to circle downwind yep. to scent check her, and you get the same quartering mm-hmm. shot. Yeah, Sorry, and ahead. I always take I always take an antler off of off of my decoy, so he's just a half rack because. Okay. Not a ton of big deer here in Michigan, so it's like I just don't want him to, to, to you know, intimidate another buck. And I never lay both ears back. I lay one back, and I usually have one ear up, and it's worked very well for me. I mean, it's only the second time I've ever done it, but it's 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 worked well. And, and I've got a lot of buddies that have tried it too on this with the same decoy, and and that's what they've had success with around here too. Okay. But anyway, so if you can, if I'll paint a picture for everybody, like. My stand is facing straight north, and the decoy is down to my left, so it's northwest of me, and the and the wind is right out of the west, and I'm picturing all these deer coming from the west. Like that's the plan, and um, so I'm sitting there, got the camera set up and everything. I'm up in the tree, ready to go. I did an interview, and uh, I it, it probably 45 minutes went by, and I look up. And here comes, I, I see a deer step out of the, out into the bean field and he stops and I pick the binos up. I'm like, oh, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a good deer. Like, who is that? And he picks his head up and right away I knew it was a deer that I called bomb, bomb pop, bomb pop. And, uh, the reason why is because his right brow, it, um, I don't know if you know what a bomb pop is, but it's, it kind of, like at the end of his brow, it kind of, it looks like a bomb pop, which is a popsicle. Yeah, also and that was the best a, name. Uh, a Patriot Pop, I think. Y- yes, yeah, same <laughs> yep. thing. Yep. So, and I'm like, wow, I haven't seen this deer all year. Like his, he disappeared. You know, like his, there, he's not on trail cam. He was on trail cam end of September into early October in the one acre. And he was bedded up in there using the one acre. But other than that, vanished. And here this deer just shows back up. And I'm like, what the heck? So... That's- He's eating beans, and he I feel like he just got up out of his bed. And uh, he could see the decoy, I feel like, but there was a little rise there, so I didn't know. So I'm sitting there. I filmed him for like eight minutes, Tim just eating beans. So I'm like, what do I do here? And my philosophy always is, is like, especially in the rut, like I'm going to hit him with the least intimidating call. So I'm going to try to bleat first. I mean, I've never had a buck be intimidated by a doe bleat, and which, in my opinion, is a very underrated call for everybody out there and the yeah. dobly is i agree i've i've blind called dobleated and called like good bucks in um well, you want to hear a crazy one um so i was just being kind of a smart ass about this and it worked and it's worked twice for me this year and i it's something i'm definitely going to do more seriously especially early season when you still have fawns on a doe yep I just start making like fawn bleats, you know, just kind of start yep. just with my mouth, you know, like there's no call they make for, there is like coyote calls, but I just start mm-hmm. making these God awful dying fawn noises. And I mean, sometimes they just run clear to another next County, but when they commit, I'm telling you, it's like a buck running into a rattle. I mean, it's, it only, you've had, only you've had it. bucks commit to that. No, I'm saying it only works on does, but the ones that do oh, okay. commit, the ones that do commit, they come in hard like a buck does to the horns. I got gotcha. you. And I was I like, yep. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like I've seen him run around 
you know, the pens when I was working the, the breeding facilities, like we'd pick up fawns and put ear tags mm-hmm. and it was like, they would just, they would come running like ready to kill you. So are you doing like a fawn distress? Yeah. Really? And these yeah. does are just like blowing into you. Yeah. Like hard. <laughs> Especially That's the awesome. younger ones. Like if you can identify a young doe, like if she has one fawn with her, she's probably like a two-year-old. Yeah. Um, that's her first fawn. I've, I've yep. seen that happen a lot with, with those younger, more inexperienced does that have their first fawns, a little more yep. protective. But sorry, not to cut you off. That was just a No, calling, you're good. That's, that's interesting. That came to mind. Yeah, so, you know, this bomb pop, he steps out, and he's facing west, so the wind is at his back. And I'm I'm southeast of him, and the decoy's in between him and I. So I wait, like I said, I filmed him for like eight minutes, and I'm like, okay, now I gotta make a move. Like I gotta figure something out. I gotta let him know I'm over here. So I hit a bleat. He looks up, and he puts his head back down and he eats. I'm like, okay. My whole thing was like when I like to call, like if the deer, if a buck looks at you or looks in your direction. My philosophy is do not call while he's looking at you because right. you're just, you're basically have a blowhorn in your tree and you're like, Hey, I'm over here. I'm a hunter. Don't come over here. That's basically in my eyes. That's what you're saying. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> and, it's incredible to me how they can pinpoint exactly where a sound is coming from, whether it's on the ground, in a tree, a hundred yards away or 500 yards. They look straight unbelievable. at you no matter what. Yeah. Yep. And so he puts his head back down. And he's, he's eating, can't see me or nothing, you know, his head's down. I bleed again, picks his head back up. I'm like, okay, so I'm like, okay, he, he knows something's going on over here, but he he's just more interested in the food. So he puts his head back down, I bleed again, and he looks back up, and he's like, okay. Now he, he takes like a step forward, and he's like, something's not, like there's something over there I probably should go check out, but I'm I'm good right now. Puts his head back down. So I'm like, okay, USOB, I'm going to grab the grunt. So I grab my grunt, and I turned away from him because I don't like grunting right at him. Yep. It's, again, it's like blowing him right out of the water, in, in my opinion. He puts his head down, and I just give him a soft, like, brrrt, and he picks his head up, and he's like, oh, shit. Like, there is a buck over there now. And I think that's the time when he saw the decoy. But... It wasn't enough for him to be, like, committed. So he puts his head back down again. Was he by himself? And this time I'm like, he's by himself. Yeah. And this time I'm like, I'm going to get aggressive with it. So I, I, I lean away again. Oh, You know, I'm I'm blowing the call to the, to the southeast. He's northwest of me. So okay. I go, brrr, 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 like, just kind of, you know, just. A little more aggressive, like there's a buck over here chasing a doe. He looks up and like a gun was, or like a you know a bullet shot out of a gun. He runs right at me, just on a string. He's coming, and I'm freaking out now. I'm like, holy shit, he's committed. So he's go. coming. <laughs> yep, and I feel like he's gonna come right down this fence row. He's he's got to come to the fence, and then he's gonna come down the fence row and come on the inside of this inside corner, and he's gonna face this decoy head on. That's what I'm thinking, and I'm gonna have literally an 18 yard shot at him. 
And so I'm grabbing the camera, filming him, and I try to zoom out to get the decoy and him in just to kind of get a bail shot. I've got a GoPro running as well, and I grab my bow, and I've got all my ranges done, so I'm like, I'm good there. He comes to the fence, crosses the fence, and he starts coming down the fence row, and I'm like, this is gonna, this is too perfect. It's going to happen. He's at like 80 yards. He's walking. All of a sudden, he starts cutting me, and he's walking straight east now. And remind you, the wind is out of the west. Yep. So he's, he's walking east now, and then it hit me. Shit, he's going to get downwind of that decoy. And that was my only, I was like, darn it. Like, I don't need him to get downwind of that because he's going to be done. Yeah, he just went and, way um, out of range before he committed to going downwind. Exactly. I've yeah. never had a buck come into the ass end of a decoy. Yeah, you should have visual decoy, stimulation anyway. will get him to, to it. And then, you know, inside of 50 yards, they'll circle. And then they end up, like yep. you said, 20 yards in front of you. And and that's what he did. He started coming. He was about at 50. And then he really started closing the distance. So now he's he's behind the decoy, but he's not downwind of him yet. And I'm freaking out. I ranged the last hole which is the hole that I shot Jim Abbott out of actually as well. I range it and I'm like, okay, when he walks through here, he's going to be in range. I'm trying to get the camera and it's on autofocus like we had talked about. So it's getting all these other branches and focus. And it's like, I'm trying to move the camera and trying to look at him. And so finally I got the camera good to where it was, you know, in focus. And I just left it. I get ready to pull back, and right when I get ready to pull back, he got right down with that decoy and, and bugged out. He uh, went back, running back to where he came from, and I'm like, damn it. So close, then, but so far. <laughs> yeah, and he was at 35 yards. Uh, and if I, had a, if I had a guy with, yeah, if I had a guy with me, it would have been zip sauce. Or if I was just hunting by myself, you know, it would have oh, been... Yeah you know great yep. too so that was you know and, and i figured him to be a three and a half year old eight i figured he's right around 125 inch deer um watched him all summer you know it's cool to have the have that stuff you know have the history with him and everything so that happened so i was i was really upset but then i was thinking in the tree i had like another hour and a half in the tree i'm like why am i upset you know i've got this farm that's you know it's, it's an 80 acres and there's a 40 and there's literally only four acres of timber on this whole farm uh, between the two sections. And it's like, I shot a four and a half year old and if I wouldn't have screwed up, I'd have him on the ground. And then I just had an opportunity at a three and a half year old Pope and young deer that, you know, I could have easily had with me as well. If I, you know, if another scenario had, if I had a cameraman or if I was just hunting, I would have had a better opportunity at that deer. I mean, I could have shot him. So it's like, why be upset when I had the two best opportunities? You know, that's all I can ask for. I, I literally go into every season only looking for one opportunity. That's it. I got yeah. two. Yep. You know, not a lot of hunters get that. So I'm up there trying to fight with myself, you know. And actually, right when he ran off and got out of sight, I got down and went and grabbed the decoy and, and stuck him in the bushes just because I just, you know, maybe he'd come back out and I didn't want him to go through that again. And, you know, we've, I've had deer do that before. So it's like I went and grabbed him. But anyway, you know, I'm, I'm fighting with myself up there and I'm like, don't be upset. You know, I've, I've set myself up really well this year. The last, you know, three years that I've been doing work on this farm, it's starting to pay off. You know, and it's just my boneheaded mistakes have, are just not letting me capitalize. So, you know, it's 
that's that's all it is. So I I, I couldn't be any happier, you know, with the <laughs> with the opportunities I was given. So yeah, you can't be mad about that. No. So <coughs> fast forward a couple of days, you know, and and it's getting to be opening day rifle season. So um, I promised my wife that I would sit with her, and we were going to sit right over the one acre. Now it's been a very wet year uh fall in michigan and all the beans are like right now i mean this is december what today is the december 5th or something Fifth. yep today's december 6th and the our beans are still up you know we can't even get in the fields to get the beans off or the corn off well actually we, we have all the corn off but the beans are still up so yeah, that'll be know, a good thing in a the, couple of weeks yeah definitely it would or it will be if they're still on i know I know my brother-in-law is looking to, I mean, it was 18 degrees tonight, so it's getting pretty chilly. I don't know if he might do like a wait till it gets frozen and just do them all in one night. Um, I'm hoping yeah. they're actually going to be there this Saturday because I might try to get in there on Saturday. But anyway, okay. so we we had to put her blind out, and we had to put it in a fence row, and it's not in the perfect spot. It's in It's in a great spot, but it's like, we have it on a hay wagon, and it's not high enough. There's a couple rises in the field, and uh, we can't cover the whole field. So it was like the best best spot for the scenario we have. And we're overlooking the one acre. And uh, so we get in there, and our plan was to sit all day. And uh, we had uh, first thing in the – or it was like mid-morning. We had a good young eight-pointer. Um, year and a half old day. He's got like five inch brows already. He's probably like a 70 inch deer already, 60 inch deer as a year and a half. Like he's a really good looking deer. And the, and the good thing is about, I just checked the camera the other day and he's still alive right now. So that's good. You know, he made it through, through yep. gun season. Um, but, uh, our neighbor to the, to the, um, uh, to the South of me, he texts me right at first light and he goes, Hey, Jim Abbott's over here in front of me. And, and he just went around the corner to the other neighbor where we have on the east side. And uh, no shot for, you know, um, Adam, the first first guy that saw him. And he wasn't going to shoot him anyway. He He's looking for, you know, you know Jim's got, he's, he's got a, a bad right side. Like he's just, you know, he, at first glance he's not a very appealing deer because he's only got a good left side. and But the deer's four and a half years old and, you know, to teach their own, whoever, whatever they want to shoot. Like I'm looking for, you know, a three and a half to four and a half year old deer, and I've had a lot of history with this deer. So, yeah, and that's he goes for by you the guys up there. Yeah, you don't and see too many four go, and a half year olds. Right, exactly. This is the first one I've ever been able to to pursue. You know, and and on that, I've this is the third year that I've had him on the farm, and um, so he goes by the next neighbor, and he doesn't shoot him broad daylight could have shot him and didn't and kind of the same scenario so i'm like holy cow so we're sitting in the blind all day and we're you know i'm texting neighbors and everything and and uh come that evening and we saw a couple more we saw like four bucks that day nothing nothing good enough and come that evening another neighbor to the southeast he saw him and uh couldn't get a shot at him kind of thing and and uh so he was very active on opening day and a lot of shooting around us um and so I'm thinking, is he still alive? You know, so I go back in the blind. My wife couldn't hunt the next day. I went in the next day. I went back in the blind that next morning, th- hoping, you know, he'd come by. Never saw him. Saw a couple little bucks, a couple does. And uh, I believe Adam saw him again, just too far off and everything. And he was coming by one of the tree stands because Adam can see one of my tree stands. 
and uh, he was coming by my tree stand. So I'm like, well, that night I'm going to go, or the next morning I was going to go sit in that tree stand because he was, he was daylight walking in the morning. So it was snowing. I get up the next morning. I go in there and saw a couple does, didn't see him. And so I knew he was alive uh, two days, or no, sorry, three days into the season. And I had to leave on the 20th of November. So it's this uh, 17th, 18th now, and I and and it's getting to the point where I'm gonna have to leave to go back on the road to Kansas for until just two days ago, and um, so I'm like I'm gonna give him one last time. My last hunt it was Sunday night. I went out and I'm like I'm gonna sit on the ground right in the beans, and uh, I knew where he was crossing, and just from intel from Adam because he's been seeing him quite a bit, and. Um, this would have been the 19th, the night before I had to leave. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting there, and, no, you know, it's I'm sitting right on the ground, right in the fence row, and, and uh, nothing had came out. And it was about 45 minutes before dark. Um, Adam's sister, this is kind of confusing, but his sister texts me and says, Jim Abbott's up in the hayfield across the road from the farm. Um, we think it's him, and he's chasing some does in the, into the woods. So that is basically, I'm on the east side of the road. I've got to go to the, he's on the west side of the road, on the neighbors. And uh, I'm like, well, what do I do here? You know, I'm already mobile. I can get up. I got a gun. So I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to go and I'm going to hustle across the road and see if he'll come out and come across the field. So I hustle and I'm going and I get across the road and I'm kind of glassing as I go and I get across the road and I'm about... 300 yards from the our fence line and I'm just kind of hunkered down and I'm right in the middle of a wide open field well not wide open but they're standing beans I'm in the beans and I I look up and I see three does four does I'm sorry four does and they come out and I'm like he's got to be with them got to be and he's not on our property he's on the neighbors now and uh, so I'm sitting there and it's kind of getting darker and getting darker does are just kind of feeding and uh I look up again, and here he comes. He comes out of the woods, and it, how, how ironic it is. He comes out of the same woods that I watched him come out of that morning that I shot him, and uh, which that's where I felt like he was living in the fall. Like That's where I think he lives during October and November months because in the summer, he summers to the east. I know that for sure. So he's coming across the neighbor's field. He's got to make up. 150 yards to jump the fence and I can I can get a shot off and it is getting dark and uh he only comes halfway across that field and he stops and he just did not like something he couldn't see me the wind was blowing over his back to me it was straight out of the west so it was perfect wind but he just had like that you know how they always say that sixth sense that those those you know bucks have sometimes and and he just he wouldn't commit, and he ended up turning around and trotting back into the woods. He never saw me, um, but that was the last time I saw him. I left, and then uh, you know a couple days into my trip in Kansas, I get a text, and this was the I think it was the twenty, the twenty second, twenty first. I'm sorry. So it was the first day of my trip. I get there it's the twenty first. And uh, that morning in daylight, he's right in front of Alyssa's, my wife's, rifle blind, like 50 yards. One of uh, the neighbors saw him, and he texted me and told me, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's just toying. Like, he now he's like, he is, you know, last year, as a three-year-old, never saw him once in the daylight. 
that I can remember. Never saw him once. Now as a four-year-old, he is all over, and I'm like, he is going to get shot. You know, like, yeah. he's just, he's like daylight walking all over, so I'm like, I couldn't get back quick enough, you know? So I got a camera in the one acre. He was just outside the one acre right in front of my wife's blind. So I go the rest of the time. I was there for two weeks in Kansas, and I get back and went to check the cameras uh, two mornings ago. And um, I went into the one acre, and sure enough, he was in there on the 21st that day. So he was out in front of the blind, then he went into the one acre. He was in there for a couple hours. He was nudging a doe around, and he's been shot again. Oh, somebody, somebody shot him with a gun and grazed his back right up, right in front his of his hindquarters in a tuff of hair. You know, he's got a tuff of hair that's that's uh that's all screwed up and everything. He was like literally half inch to an inch from being spined. You know what I mean? And yeah. He's ran down a little bit. My wound from my from my shot is completely healed. Like there is no hole or nothing. You can see where I hit him completely healed this one was pretty fresh um he's chasing doe on the camera all over and uh but i checked three cameras and he wasn't on any of them but that one and that was the 21st so here now it's the you know the 5th of december and i i just don't know if he's still alive or not and you know this year in michigan um well not in michigan but in the cwd counties, so cwd positive counties um we haven't had a positive case yet in Isabella County where I'm at, but we are surrounded by positive cases. So to um, control the deer herd a little bit, muzzleload season starts for my zone um, on Saturday and goes and you know till the 15th, I believe it is, and they're letting the CWD counties such as Isabella County use rifles now oh, okay. for the muzzleload <clears throat> season, which I'm not too. I mean, it's whatever it is what it is. Um, I'm not going to say I'm not going to take a rifle out because at this point I've had so much history with this deer now that I yeah. just want to, I want to be able to, I want to be able to capitalize. So Saturday um, I'll, I should be able to get out once or twice possibly and maybe even Sunday. And like I said, I don't even know if he's alive. Um, I've got cameras all over freshened up um, on the beans because they're standing beans. I've, I've, I, I transitioned them off of scrapes. I, I usually do that earlier, but um, transitioned them off scrapes, and now they're all on the beans. So if he's out eating, eating any beans, um, I should be getting some photos of them hopefully. But that's kind of where the Jim Abbott saga is is at a standstill right now. I'm hoping, hoping he's still there, like I said. Um, so, yeah, and I, I did have a buddy, one of my good friends. He drove by uh, the farm. He kind of likes to drive by. Every once in a while on his, on his, uh, on his, like his lunch break and everything. And he called me on like the 27th of November. And he said he saw a big frame deer on the neighbors over there by me. Um, so it was a big, big eight. He, he figured it was a big eight, like a good frame deer. So I don't know who it was. Don't know if that deer's still alive. I'm, Bomb Pop's got a pretty good frame. Um, and that was kind of the area he was in, so I'm wondering if it was him. I just don't know. You know, it's it's I'm at the mercy of hopefully it gets a lot colder than it is right now, 
it's not too bad. It's in the mid thirties right now, but I, I want it to be down in like the twenties with a little bit of snow and these beans will, will light up, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's interesting to hear how, how active he is as a four year old. Usually, um, <clears throat> when they're, you know, and Bill Winky talks about this every year, but, um, usually that four year old stage of their life is where they kind of go really nocturnal, kind of dormant, you know, they, they're really yeah. keen to where the stands are, where the pressure comes from, you know, and that's where when you hear guys say he disappeared, you know, it's usually that yep. four-year-old age class that, that does that, and then they miraculously show back up the following year, like in the rut or something. So right. like you said, yep. you, you go out the intention or the, the hope of having just one encounter, but you've got two neighbors that have encountered him. You've encountered him twice. You had yep. one opportunity to kill him, and I mean, it sounds like he's surprisingly active. Yeah, and that's I don't know. It's it's kind of weird, you know. I saw. I feel like I'm pretty sure if I remember right. I saw him as a three year old in the summer. No, I I did, but like as far as hunting season, I didn't. But I will tell you what I changed this year was my pressure on the farm. Last year, I had a lot of pressure on the farm. I just was not disciplined enough as, you know, a hunter to not check my cameras. And, you know, I didn't hunt the farm a lot, but, like, early on, I think I might have pushed him off the farm. And yeah. I was actually after another deer, too, King Joffrey, which my uh, neighbor Adam, he killed with a gun. And I think that's what I might have done. I might have was too, too pressure heavy. But this year... I laid off the farm. I was done hanging stands. I was done, you know, running cameras by, you know, in July. Yeah. Well, my last time on the farm was the first week of August, which is still a little later for me, but that was the best, you know, that's that was my date. I wanted to be done by the first week of August just to see how it worked. And honestly, it's worked out awesome this year. Like I said, if I just wouldn't have been a bonehead and, you know, and, and just been a little more prepared this year. I feel like I felt like I wasn't as prepared as I thought I should have been. Yeah. You know, definitely as like a hunter and, and as, you know, trying to be a conservationist as well. Like I just felt like I, I shot my bow a lot, but not as much as I used to, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I could sit here and make excuses all day. It's, it's, it is what it is, you know, but I, I'm glad I got the opportunity at them. And the thing is too, is I've learned a ton this year as far as my farm and and hunting in general and I feel like if you're not learning at all then what do you, you know that's part part of the fun and then what are you doing you know so I've learned a ton um the stand that I was in for both of these deer was the same stand and I learned a lot about that stand and what I could do with that stand and um about the deer moving around that stand and you know, and I learned a lot about Jim Abbott and how much he moved, too. Like, he literally 100% summers to the east of the farm. And during the fall, you know, during the hunting months, he lives on the west side of the farm, you know. And it's it's cool to see that. That's why whitetails just fascinate me so much is and how much they move. Oh, and, and another story. Um, so I have another deer 
that uh, I call two crabs, and I, I, I may have mentioned this. I, no, I don't think I did on the last podcast. I may have mentioned two crabs, but I didn't mention what happened. So this deer, two crabs, he was running around with Jim Abbott all summer, and he, I had him on the list of like possibly a two-and-a-half-year-old or possibly three-and-a-half-year-old, but probably a two-and-a-half-year-old. It was going to be a deer that I was going to make a judgment call on the hoof if I saw him. Never okay. saw him after <clears throat> Velvet, basically. You know, his hard horn. Never got a picture of him. He just vanished. And uh, when I got back from my first trip from Kansas, which would have been November 9th-ish, right when I went in to, you know, hunt and when I see when I saw Bomb Pop, when I went in at night, I checked that camera, and Jim Abbott and two crabs were under that stand in daylight chasing a doe. Um and he had been shot, uh, two crabs, or yeah, two crabs had been shot, and he'd been hit high in that free zone area, um, yep. and it looked like, you know, it, literally he had holes on both sides of him, but it just looked like an arrow just blitzed straight through him, you know, right, right in the, right in the fat, basically. Yep. And, uh, so I knew he was shot, and fast forward to it was the second night of gun season, so it had been the 16th of November. Uh, my or my my wife, her cousin Cole, one of my best friends, and has one of my been one of my best friends. I've known Cole actually longer than I've known my wife, which is kind of weird. But him and I've been good friends for a while, and his dad. So they have a farm that's two miles to the south of us. His dad went out hunting that night, and uh, and Cole texts me that night, and he's like, my dad shot a buck behind the behind the shop tonight. And I'm like, sweet, you know, send me a picture. Tom hasn't shot a buck in a while, and uh, a couple years anyway. And and uh, he sends me a picture, and I'm like, boy, that looks like two crabs. And I'm like, there's no way that deer moved that far, you know. And uh, I, I text Cole, and I said, does he have a hole, like, you know, it's basically high shoulder, but it was a little higher than the high shoulder. I said, does he have a hole, like, from a bow and arrow um, above his shoulder? And he goes, yeah, but that's, you know, that's, that's where my dad hit him, you know. So I'm like, okay, well, I, I said, that deer looks a lot like him. The next morning, Cole calls me and goes, you're not going to believe this, but my dad said that's where he thought he hit him, but he actually hit him, like, like right in the, like, kind of in the chest like he was he was soft quartering to him and he took him right right through the heart right in front of the right in front of the front shoulder he's like so that hole is from a bow and arrow and this is two crabs and i'm like no way (laughs) i'm like i'll be over there in a little bit so i went over there sure enough it's him two miles to the south of where he lived like he lived right in my all summer you know i had pictures of him when he you could just barely see the crabs um because he had you know crab claws claws on both sides and you know he a doe must have took him down there or something i mean that's two miles away like it d- maybe not seems like a long way but to me that's and like it just goes to like say you know i that's why i love white-tailed deer you know it's just fascinating how they move and how they work and it's just really cool yeah they really are such unique animals yeah so well but yeah it's been exciting, an exciting year all around. Then, yeah, so far it has been, and and I'm really open this last one up here. 
uh, I'm just hoping, you know, I'm going to get out, uh, I'm going to get out Saturday, possibly Sunday. Um, and then I've got a late season Ohio trip planned. I just don't know when yet. Um, editing, you know, we're, we're editing still right now and, and trying to get everything, you know, organized and everything, but those oh, yeah. are going to be, I'd like to make it down to Ohio. I've got an Ohio tag, so I want to make it down for muzzleloader season in January, but I also want to make it down there for bow season as well before gun or before muzzleloader season. So that in Michigan, you know, trying to get after Jim, hopefully he's still alive or bomb pop. Um, you know, there's a two deer I'm going to be going after unless, unless some, some sneaker deer moves in, you know, um, that's kind of my late season plans. What, uh, what do you got on the, on the docket for the late season? Uh, muzzleloader. I'm going to, I'm going to wait till the last, till the last season, which here <clears throat> today was the last day of the first shotgun season. And then the second shotgun season starts on Saturday and that runs for about, I think it's like eight days, seven yep. or eight days. And then uh, the late muzzleloader opens, and that's what I'm going to hold out for. And I can get another statewide buck tag. So you, now you can what's get, your plans? Are you going to go public land or are you going to go state land? Yeah, I'm going to stay on public, I think. Um, I'm gonna, I mean, I, I guess, are you going to go private land or public land? I, I said that wrong. Oh, no, yeah, I'm going to stay uh, public. Um, as of right now, that's the plan. Um, like I said, mm -hmm. it's, and I think I'm honestly going to, I'm going to try to go back into that same spot and see, I haven't been back in there since the day I killed, which was the ninth. So, uh, yep. what I need to do is go take a look at it. Um, I'm kind of crossing my fingers, hoping some of that standing corn is still, is still up on that. What would be the South line of that private side? Yep. Um, like I said, the way that funnels down. I think if I can just get on the extreme north end of the public and catch any deer coming to that corn, you know, just pick them off before they get to that that private, to that fence line. Yep, definitely. But that's if there's any deer still in there. I mean, you can. it's easy to assume, and the case is probably this, that, you know, they all pushed into that into that private land. As soon as that first shotgun season starts, I mean, yeah. From what I've been told by the guys I work with, it's the Orange Army is is strong here, <laughs> just like it is up there. Well, so. they do a lot of they do a lot of pushing too. A lot of deer drives yeah. happen out in Iowa. Yeah, they I know do. a lot of landowners get really upset because there'll be there'll be people that just go in the land without even permission, and just push it. Yeah, that's what the guys at work have been telling me. So. I'm going to give it a go at that, and um, I do know some other spots on some other pieces of public ground that still have quite a bit of standing beans that, um, like you said, unless they get in there to harvest them, once the ground freezes, they're not mm -hmm. going to make it, so they'll they'll be out. Yep. There's a good chance there'll be some, some good food out there still, yep. and I know a lot of people lose interest after that shotgun season. You know, It seems like those guys that... Just to live for for shotgunning, you know that's their thing. It's they just go do drives. So right, yep. Hopefully the pressure lightens up and some deer move back in there. And um, like I said my buddy's running cameras out there. He'll have a better idea of what's been shot out there. 
he lives a lot closer to it. But, um, yeah, I think him and I are going to try to work together on that and get back in there with the muzzle loaders and see what we can Sweet. do as a team. Heck, yeah, man. That sounds like a plan. Well, we've been talking for a while here, and I'm sure everybody, if they're still listening, all three of them, <laughs> I'm sure they're yeah. ready to turn us off. But, yeah, so everybody just, you know, a little recap. You know, Justin's going to come on and be the co-host for everything here, and, and we're going to do a sub-series, you know, and, and probably we're going to try to get two podcasts out a week, and I think it'll be really cool with that listener-submitted listener question really talk about that and i'm looking forward to it all man yeah so am i very excited for it well cool let's wrap this thing up and uh call our night sounds good dude all right man you uh you keep living in the land of the giants over there <laughs> and go knock down a, another big one and i'm gonna i'm gonna hope i see another three and a half year old <laughs> <laughs> or better deer <laughs> yeah yeah i think you will by sounds of it yeah we'll see saturday I, I, i'm gonna have to get the get the gun back out maybe i'll take the bow we'll see i've been fighting with myself i do that a lot yeah it's i get the little to... guy in the left shoulder and the little guy on the right shoulder and they're always fighting so it's like what do you do yep i know the so, feeling well cool man i'm gonna cut you loose and uh we'll talk soon okay Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.